Man, are y'all ready to dive in today? Yeah. Well, whether you're ready or not, we, we're going to. Hey, I told you we're in week two of Sacred Cows, and if you weren't here, um, you'll, you'll understand what that means a little bit as we move forward, but I want to kind of intro the same way I did last week. Um, last year, in September of 2019, Venture turned seven years old, and, and I was struggling a little bit with who we were as a church, and so I began praying, and I had church leaders from all across Texas and, and outside of Texas, friends of mine around the country, praying that God would give us vision and, and direction for the remainder of our life. Like, like I felt like seven years, like we were just like figuring it out, and God needed to reveal something new, or, or he didn't need to, or maybe he had already revealed something to us, and we just needed to open our stinking eyes and see it, you know? And, and in that time, God revealed something simple to me, and that was this, the gospel of grace. And I told you last week that Venture is a gospel of grace church, and, and I hope that that will uh, make more sense to you as we go through this series. But what it means is that um, we operate under the mindset that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. And when he said that it is finished, he meant it is finished. Like, not that his job was finished, but that everything was finished. And when we say yes to him, we get to live in that finished work. And we get to be, I say it this way, like he died for us and as us. So when he rose, we rose. And when we say yes to him, we get to speak and live in that newness, in that finished work. Kind of like what I said earlier, like we don't believe that you have to get good to get God. We believe that when we get God through our maturing and our identity in him, we are good, okay? So with that, a new covenant requires a new language, and that's what this series is really about. And today we're gonna to talk about the language of unbearable pressure, say unbearable pressure. unbearable pressure. And for six weeks, starting last week, we're gonna kill a sacred cow, and basically what a sacred cow is, is a mindset that is incorrect, that the church, and probably many of you, I know I have, have taken it as that's correct that must be true it appears to be in the bible blah 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 and this is what i hang my hat on but we're going to kill some of those things because some of those things just they're just not true they don't they don't really align with what jesus did on the cross and i was feeling the same way as this this question that was posed to me and that was what makes me think um that i'm qualified to make the judgment on what constitutes a sacred cow i was feeling the same way when i was writing these down i'd be like i don't want to be that guy like you're wrong. That's that's not me. And um, so I had to ask myself, what, what makes me think that I'm qualified to say this is a sacred cow, this is not a sacred cow? And we can't cover all the sacred cows because we've only got six weeks, but I chose these six. And and I guess my main qualification is that I taught all of these things myself. So, like, before I began to experience this radical gospel shift, I, I, I taught all these things myself. I believed all these things were true. And as God began to renew my mind and open my eyes to what he really did on the cross, I began to see that that's, that doesn't align with what he did. Plus, I counseled with pastors who were much more smarter than me. And I asked them, I said, does this make sense? They said yes. And, and they had much more experience than myself. And so what makes me qualified? I, I don't know that I am qualified, but I can say that you know, I, I did talk to people outside of Curtis Ribble, and um, I have taught all these traditions myself, and I'm just looking at them thinking, maybe we need to rethink some of these traditions, some of these thinking, some of these mindsets um, that I've taught passionately before, and start looking at what God really says. Because I do believe that the overwhelming majority of pastors and Christians are not bad people, okay? 
Like, nobody's a bad person. Like, like they're, they're sincere believers who love God, love his scriptures, love the church. So don't think that I'm trying to speak poorly of anyone if they teach different than me. I, different strokes for different folks. You know, we don't, we don't have to see eye to eye to lock arm in arm. Right. We we can we can have we can be unified without you know agreeing on everything. And I know like if you look at Facebook or you watch you know CNN or Fox News that that might not be what you believe, but it is true. We don't have to agree on everything because I'm not trying to speak poorly of anybody. It's the farthest thing from the truth. Um, but the goal of this series is that we all get our hearts and minds aligned. That, that our good intentions meet a, 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 a good news message. And I've taught, like, oh my goodness, guys. If you could have been at VCC year one, I remember the first sermon I taught. And I ain't going to tell you what it was. We burned the tapes. Because I look back and I'm like, what? What the what? What does that even mean, Curtis? Like, where'd you find that? It's like I took 700 Christian bumper stickers and turned them into a sermon. Like, it was so messed up. And I was like, so hear me, like I have been so wrong about so much that I don't have any rocks to throw. There are no rocks in my pocket. That's not what this is about. This is about my concern and love for this church and the church as a whole to speak plainly and clearly about the gospel. And I believe that that gospel grows and advances individuals and families. I believe that it is for everyone, every day and everywhere. Amen. So this is going to challenge you. It has challenged me preparing every single week. So we're going to talk about some things today. Like, if you're a longtime church person, this sort of teaching, teaching, well, teaching, there's that, like, grand high school education coming out right there, that teaching. It, it, if, if you're a longtime church-going Christian, you know, this, this type of series will probably challenge you more than most. But if you're just diving into Jesus, what this does is it, it, it defines your walk with him. So a new covenant requires a new language. And, and I say that all the time because words mean something. And, and when the ideas are put into words, and, and no matter how passionately they, they are spoken, if they reinforce uh, erroneous notions of the gospel, then, then we ought to talk about it. We ought to step through and, and challenge that. Because too much is at risk for it to be faulty yeah. especially when john and Perry Peter says it's the truth that we know that sets us free <clears throat> right yeah. so my desire is that all of us would would embrace and express the pure grace of god say pure grace, pure grace. What, what pure grace does is it points us to him and not us okay pure grace declares that whatever good may come to us it's all because of him and it has nothing to do with us um, pure grace gives him all the credit and gives us no credit. So when people say, you know, why is this going so well? All I got to say is, God. I don't, I don't know. It's easy. My answer is easy. Man, I was talking to, I was talking to my buddy the other day in, in, in Fort Stockton, Texas. He has, who's been to Fort Stockton, Texas? They ain't nothing in Fort Stockton, Texas but Grace Point Church, okay? <laughs> I was talking to him, and, and he says, people call me all the time, like, how are you making this church explode? And he says, it ain't nothing. He said, it isn't a strategy, it isn't a plan. The only thing we do is we say, we're gonna love. And we love people better. Because God is love. And he said, the answer to your question is Jesus. And, and I believe him. He's like, it's, it's, it's not something I can write down. Or if I did, it would be a very short book. It would be Jesus. So, here we go. Let's dive into this. What sacred cow are you killing today, Curtis? 
I'm glad you asked. We're going to put this cow down. Okay, here it is. God won't put more on you than you can bear. I think perhaps nothing, no, no, no statement um, has been said with greater heartfelt sincerity from friends comforting others than, than that. Um, or maybe it's like God won't give you more than you can handle, so, so on and so forth. It, it's one of those things that seems to be like self-evident in Scripture or, you know, it sounds good. Like he is a loving father, so, you know, it, it makes sense, right? Why would a loving father put more on you than you can bear? And, and I think some Christians would even argue like the Bible teaches this. What are you talking about? Well, the Bible kind of sort of does, but doesn't. It really doesn't, okay? Let's just establish that. Because the... Cause the Passage that most people lean on, now that is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. I love this passage of scripture, but it does not tell me that God will not give me more than I can bear. What it tells me is that no temptation will overcome me. There's a big difference there. I love this passage because it means that no temptation will overcome. I will never be overcome by temptation because God provides an escape. God provides a way out. I, I don't have the excuse. I don't get to say, sorry, God, it's too much for me. Because he provides the escape. God makes a way to escape temptation. But that's not what, this, well, that's not what we're addressing. We're addressing the idea that God won't allow us to have burdens beyond our ability to endure them. And it's important to make the, 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 the distinction between temptations and, and trials. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 simply means that God won't allow us to be tempted to sin beyond what we can bear. But troubles and trials in life are a whole other thing. And you might be sitting there like, Curtis, you said this is good news. And this is not the type of message we typically preach. I, don't ever, I, I rarely come up here and say, you know what, God's going to give you more than you can handle. Good luck. <laughs> that's not that's not how i've been so i'm gonna hopefully you'll walk away a little bit more hopeful than you're sitting right now and you know you you might doubt or, de or deny what i'm saying but but listen let, let's look at what the apostle paul ought to be a pretty good uh source on the on the of authority on this uh this statement because one like the dude endured more than any of us probably ever will or can imagine he wrote uh, the majority of the New Testament. Um, he established the early church. Uh, he was in, in prison, beaten, writing letters of encouragement to the early church. And, and, and his writings have been poured over by scholars for generations and generations and generations. So if I'm not a good, uh, dependable source, let's, let's say that he is. And let's consider the subject here and start looking at three truths that will, that will put this cow down, okay? One is the burden of unbearable pressure. Good. The burden. Um, there are things, here's the truth, there, there are things that are going to come against you that are going to be too much for you. Not temptation, but, but trials and, and things in life that are going to come against you that will be too much for you to handle. For St. Corinthians 1.8 says this. Paul wrote this. But we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life. So he was on a missionary journey. He was doing God's work. He was doing what he was called to do, and suddenly things came upon him. And this is how he described it. Burdened excessively beyond our strength, despaired even of life. 
they are sitting there thinking, life is terrible. I, I just want it over because everything is so bad. And he says at the beginning, this is what's cool. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware. He wanted people to know. This is what happens. This is, this is part of the cost of maturing in your identity in Christ. He said things are going to come against you, burdens of unbearable pressure, things that you can't overcome on your own. And I'm reading that, and I'm thinking, God, I thought you were, you were nice. I thought you were a nice daddy. You know, like my girls tell me sometimes, you're a mean dad. <laughs> sometimes I am a mean dad, okay? But my God is always good. So why? Well, two, there are benefits of unbearable pressure. 2 Corinthians 1.9. We just read 2 Corinthians 1.8. Now read 2 Corinthians 1.9. He says, indeed, we had the sentence of death with ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. But in God who raises the dead. What he's saying is it didn't matter how we felt because we had to remove our trust from ourselves and place it in God who, he gives an example, does something impossible. He can do anything. Even if we're killed, he's saying, I've got a God who can raise me if he wants to. Amen. Even if it's the worst possible thing imaginable, my God can take care of me. Amen. And he says, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God. So why the pressure? So that we learn to go against what is natural and push towards what is supernatural. I, 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 am the, I, I may not be the world's worst, but I got to be like a close second of trying to push into the supernatural by the natural. Trying to just make it happen. Trying to push into it, push it forward. Why can't this church grow? Why do my finances look this bad? Why are my kids acting crazy? Trying to use the natural to push into the supernatural when it's really supposed to be the other way around. I'm supposed to live supernatural in this place. Mm -hmm. And every step that I take, oh, that's a supernatural step. And the, the, my general circle of influence is suddenly a supernatural place because of who I am in him. So we learn to go against what is natural and push towards what is supernatural because natural says, I'm going to trust in me. And supernaturally says, Supernatural says, I'm going to trust in him. You might be sitting there thinking like, this don't seem super deep. Listen, it's not that deep. But I promise you, this week, you're going to be challenged on this. Whether or not you're going to rely on the natural or the supernatural. My hope is, you will say, I'm going to go supernatural this time. I'm going to see what happens. Listen, because you can live life apart from God. Can you know that? I've got friends who live very successful lives apart from God. But it's still a lesser life. On the outset, everything looks great. But when I speak to them, I realize it is still a lesser life. It's crazy. It's sad. That they think they have it all together. But it's still a lesser life. When I talk to them, all I say is, you know what? You know, all I can say is that you've got that. But as for me and my house, we're going to live a better life. Okay. So there's a burden and there's a benefit. A burden and a worship team, can I go make your way back up? There's a burden and there's a benefit. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, 10 says this, that there's a breakthrough in unbearable pressure. Because, I'm going to read it through and then I'm going to go back through. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, 
This is the Apostle Paul speaking again. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Y'all guys, y'all go ahead whenever you're ready. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. And there's no danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough, it's all you need. My strength comes to its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap, and I began appreciating the gifts. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. And now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, etc. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Y'all, that's good. So I'm going to read it to you again. I'm going I'm to stop and pause and I'm going to give you Curtis Ripple commentary real quick. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, what, what revelation? Anything of God. Anything of the gospel. And, and so I, I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Whose limitations? Mine. Mine. Not God's. He needs to remind me of me, okay? Satan's angel did his best to get me down. And what he in fact did was me to my knees. It's like, hit me with your best shots. It's going to take me right where I need to be anyway. Sometimes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know that I should say it. I'm going to not say that in a minute. I ain't going to say it now. But he pushes us. It's funny that the enemy thinks that like, man, I got you with the left. I got you with the right. You're falling down and suddenly you're right where you need to be. No danger of walking around high and mighty. That's powerful, guys. Whenever my posture changes, my perspective changes. Whenever my posture is different, I see more clearly. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and He told me, My grace is enough, it's all you need. I don't know if Paul's talking about literally three times He asked. Okay? And it says, oh, this is where it gets key. 
I quit focusing on the handicap and I began appreciating the gift. Baby boy, Cooper, Cooper, Dean Riddle, and I'm so excited. 
me out a little bit, okay? And I'm not uber mature when it comes to stuff like this in my life. When I go to church on Sunday, we went out. My mother-in-law, Chris, was shaking hand. He is not, and it is true. And we left church Sunday, and we drove to Fort Worth to a birthday class. Anybody ever sent through a birthday class? See, I knew I was the only white person here. Like, I felt like this is the whitest thing I've ever been to. And I was sitting there, and, and, and they were talking, and, and uh, it was funny. You know, they say we watched this video, and the lady's like, well, what did you like about this video? And it's 20 people in the room, and nobody's being honest. And I said, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I like nothing about that video. That's the worst thing I've ever seen ever. I cannot believe you showed me that. Anyway, we went to the class, and, and we, we had a good time, and, and it was late. It was like 10.30, and I tell you all that, and that's free. That, that means nothing to where I'm going. Other than that, I had to give you some setting. And um, we stayed the night, and um, the next morning, we're, we're coming back home, and we stop at this like random like bakery coffee shop thing, and um, it got really cold from Sunday to Monday, and I, I had like shorts and t-shirts, and, and this guy, get in, I'm getting some coffee, and he goes, he goes, man, are you not freezing? And I said, I said, you know what, I kind of am. And, and, I, and he just, he goes, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm pastor at church there in, in Graham, you know, he goes, oh, I know Graham, I didn't know there was any safe people in Graham. And I said, well, we're working on it, you know. And he said, I got a question. I said, yeah. And he goes, do you preach for Jesus or against sin? You know, that's like a trap question. That's like one time I sat down with somebody at, a, at, a, at, at Me Familia. And it was somebody who was kind of looking into the church. And they asked to have a meeting. And we sat down. And, uh, oh, no, they were, they were they were wanting to give money to the church. That's what it was. When we were first getting started, we sat down. And uh, they bring the chips and sauce. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, do you pray over chips and sauce? I didn't know what to say. I was like, this is one of those moments where I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I said, I don't pray for anything that costs less than $3.50. And he said, that's a good answer, right? So I was sitting there, like, I was sitting there, and he asked me that, and I said, it's always Jesus. And he said, that's a good answer. And we got to talking. And, you know, I felt like after I left that birthday class, like I was supposed to be, like, more confident. No. I walked in cold sweats thinking, God, what do we do? We don't know what we're doing. I don't have a clue, and I'm more nervous, and I'm like, Jesse, and she's a little scared. I'm like, it's good, baby. You got this. <laughs> I went back to my training. You are beautiful. You are so strong, because they made us do this thing where I had to say encouraging words to my wife. It was weird, <laughs> because I do that anyway. But he's sitting there, and he said, you preach for Jesus or against sin? And I said, it's always Jesus. He said, that's a good answer. Church, you want to you you come and pray with our table? 
And I was like, I really don't want to pray with your people. Like, I don't want to pray. And he said, he goes, oh, I mean, we want to pray with you. And I'm like, I can do that. Like, I can do that right now. I'm thinking, like, I'm going to pray with your table. Like, it's like, it's cold out. I'm hungry. I'm trying to get my breakfast, bro. He's like, we want to pray with you. And they brought me over there in the middle of this bakery, and they prayed for me. And suddenly, I remembered that if I quit focusing on the thing that is making me feel the weakest, and I focus on the gift, when I am weak, he is strong, and my weakness becomes a strength. And I walked out of that place stronger than I walked in. Not because of the coffee, but because of the Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what weakness you would say like you have right now. Stand with me. But it's finished. It's Jesus plus nothing. And you're in a minute, the team's going to lead in worship. I want to stand right there. But if you think, I need somebody to partner with me today. Like, I, I need some of that. I need to walk out of this place stronger than I came in. Come see me. I want to pray with you. I want to hold hands with you. And I want to lift you up. Okay? We're going to talk to God together. All right. It's always Jesus. I'm going to pray. He's going to leave. I'm going to step right over there. Come see me. Father, we thank you that you are more. We thank you that what you did is done. That it is finished. And that when we stronger because of you. God, I ask that you would move mightily in this time of worship as we close. You are an awesome God. Please.